This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते आंधी आए तूफान आए सरकटे मुंडी उड़े वी विल बी हेयर एवरी वीक ऑन हफ्ता एंड दिस इज द 304 वीक दैट वी आर हेयर विद द हफ्ता विदाउट हैविंग मिस्ड अ सिंगल वीक इन द लास्ट 3 और 4 इयर्स हाउ लॉन्ग इट्स बीन मे बी 6 इयर्स एक्चुअली एंड द रीजन वी हैव बीन एबल टू कम सो फार इज बिकॉज़ ऑफ ऑल यू वंडरफुल सब्सक्राइबर्स हु कंट्रीब्यूट एंड मेक श्योर वी रिमेन अ फ्लोट एंड हैव द लिक्विडिटी टू स्पेंड ऑन ऑफिस स्पेसेस माइक्स प्रोड्यूसर्स वंडरफुल रिपोर्टर्स एंड एडिटर्स and other colleagues like the ones i have so thank you all and all you mufat khors uh, while you do very little i must say that you do something at least hopefully you tell other people to contribute even if you can't so well a little uh, heads up and cheers to the mufat khors as well i'm recording from home because i'm still in my quarantine period of covid i am on day 12 today and hopefully next week i shall be sitting with raman sir and manisha in office and recording uh with me on the panel today from office are manisha and raman sir hello gen- gentlemen and lady hello <laughs> gentlemen and lady <laughs> how are you feeling sir i am feeling good i am feeling good he is back from corona yes 40. yes raman sir is fully recovered and he is also passed his quarantine period so he can sit in office safely or at least he is safe along with the rest <laughs> uh joining me from uh, his home state of bihar is anand hi anand all well with you you are taking precautions and not being part of any rallies or swearing ins no no no, no. corona is uh, not uh, a major worry here it is in fact it is uh, not there in newspapers also now chalo okay and jayshree joins us from chennai hi jayshree hi actually i should say i'm in bangalore now for a couple of days oh so, you are okay yeah, yeah so i'm not i'm not joining hafta from the middle of a cyclone that's what i was wondering actually i want to ask you so yeah. uh, but, but you really have friends and family there right yeah and yeah so you... i i just missed it by a day i'll tell you guys okay so but you didn't come to bangalore because of oh no 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 i had some work so i was forced to come here i see okay so yeah. that is us and before uh, manisha gives us the headlines i just want to thank all our wonderful subscribers and contributors for the nl sena project on the bihar election you guys topped it up we had a budget of 5 lakhs and basant did a fantastic job and so did our editors raman jayshree manisha mehraj and anand thank you all so much for all the bihar election coverage and uh, the subscribers who contributed to that and also we had an unusual set of expenses uh, that were do with the court case filed against a news laundry uh, and individually raman sir me madhu etc by sakal times and a criminal case that was lodged against a wonderful reporter prateek for doing what for doing his job and uh, we have had three hearings in the high court and uh, two in the district court in bombay in pune sorry and uh, we had a budget of 5 lakhs and all of you topped that up so thank wow. you thank you thank you thank you thank you so thank much thank you so much it's because of you guys that we really don't give a rat's ass about the intimidation we face it's an inconvenience but it's something that comes with the turf so thank you for contributing to that we will have a new nlsena project up if you go to the website and see it is on the love jihad project so we're going to have ground reports you will have an explainer by meghnad we will have two reporters who will travel to madhya pradesh and upf i'm not wrong sir yeah and we will have a podcast around it so we do want to do a really comprehensive package on this whole love jihad set of ordinances that are coming so do contribute to that nlsena project because of contributions that people like you that we can manage to do the journalism and work that we do because we take no advertisements from governments or corporations and as you can see yogi ji is on every page in fact last week in express had three full pages right at the outset of of yogi ji's ads there are some stray cases in uh, 
Jharkhand also. So we will report from Jharkhand as well. Okay. So we have a pretty exhaustive package lined up. So do contribute to that NLCNR project. It'll be up on the website. And now uh, Manisha can tell us about the headlines of the week. Yes. Cyclone Nivar has hit Tamil Nadu and Puducherry. Hundreds of farmers have gathered along the Punjab-Haryana border for the Delhi Chalo protest against the agri laws. And Haryana will keep Punjab and Delhi borders sealed for two days as farmers march. Delhi border entry points will also be sealed. The Modi government has banned 43 more mobile apps that are considered unfavourable to India's sovereignty and integrity. Former ministers, officers are in a list of illegal land deals beneficiaries in JNK. Kerala cabinet has given its nod for issuing fresh ordinance to withdraw police act amendment. And thank God for that. Um, this is, as many of you know, something that had major pushback from journalists. So we will discuss this in some detail. ED raided Shiv Sena MLA who sought action against Arnab Goswami, the party has alleged political vendetta. Umar Khalid and Sharjil Imam have been charged under stringent anti-terror law for Delhi riots case. One crore healthcare workers will receive COVID-19 vaccine in the first phase. UP has cleared a love jihad law. Uh, this would entail 10-year jail, cancelling of marriages if for conversion. And about four other states are also kind of suggesting they will bring Contemplating this law this, about, yeah. right? Different versions. BJP law. ruled. Yeah. BJP ruled states. So on that and this one thing that uh, the one crore... Um, vaccines that will be administered to healthcare workers, I guess, up there would... I don't know if the new news that the AstraZeneca data is a bit dodgy, where that will impact uh, the Adur Punawala saying that it will be available by the end of December or January. I'm not sure whether that will be the case now. The Supreme Court has dismissed a plea by former BSF personal Tej Bahadur, who challenged Prime Minister Narendra Modi from Varanasi Lok Sabha constituency in May 2019. No surprises there. Maradona died after suffering a heart failure yesterday. He was 60. Former Assam CM Tarun Gogoi also died at the age of 86 after battling COVID complications. And uh, Congress veteran Ahmed Patel died at 71. He was also battling COVID complications. So yeah, um, 2020 continues to yeah. be a year which... I think Ahmed Patel and Tarun Gogoi would be the two, one of the two most uh, high-profile deaths no, with coronavirus. We haven't, yeah, we haven't had... Politicians really. And Ahmed was, Patel was. I think there was a Telugu Desam Party MP also who died of Corona a few months or weeks ago, and then there was a, an MLA from Karnataka, if I'm not wrong. So I mean, yeah, but th- these are definitely the most high. Yeah, I mean, Ahmed Patel uh, is quite COVID. end of an era yeah, for yeah, Congress. Yeah. So on that note, uh, let's get straight into uh, news from the south uh, about the cyclone, which Jeshi can update us on about. But before that, just want to remind you that the new website is up. Uh, we have fixed many of the glitches that many of you are facing. Do write in to us at contact at News Laundry if you have any other glitches or you can just tag me on Twitter and Chitran Shu and I definitely look at that. And this is a great time to also subscribe, not just because our payment gateway is really efficient in the new website and you won't find the kind of bugs you found earlier. But we also have the Diwali Se Christmas Tak package going. We have some fantastic Tiranga soaps, which are herbal and very good for your skin and twacha. We have a fantastic water bottle, uh, which you can carry with you when you go running or for a sport. And we have really cool mugs and a lovely scented candle. So we have really cool news laundry merch. It is available for subscribers only. But you can also gift someone a subscription and you get it as a package deal until Christmas. So remember, for your Christmas gifts and Diwali gifts, gift something that also supports independent journalism. On that note, um, Jeshree, now tell us about this, uh, at least 
a few minutes before we started recording this and we're recording this on Thursday, the 26th of November and it's 12.30 in the afternoon. I saw that the intensity has lessened and it has been reduced in its severity grade. Uh, it, that's, I guess, good news for uh, your friends and family who are still in Tamil Nadu. Yeah, so uh, it made landfall at about 2.30 a.m. I think so far three people have died in Chennai. I think reports are oscillating between three and five people. They've evacuated over 2 lakh people. There are 4,000 relief camps across Tamil Nadu. So um, there are two things I want to say about the cyclone. The first is that I think the government response, clearly learning from its lessons in the past, has been great. Um, as early as November 23rd, it got in place National Disaster Relief Forces uh, posted them in various parts of Tamil Nadu, including Kaldalur, Chennai, Pondicherry was doing the same. Relief camps were set up and communication from the government has been extremely clear. This was one of their huge failures during the Chennai floods in 2015. For example, uh, there's this huge reservoir called the Chembarambakam Lake. So they had to open its shutters to release excess water. If they didn't do that, the water would flow into the Adyar River and cause like havoc and all in its path. So the government made clear announcements before it happened. It cleared people from the path of the river. So this was all done very systematically. So I think one, the government has really come through in its handling. Its response has been great, but I do question how most of its responses are very short term. I mean, we all know these floods happen every year. We know cyclones happen very often from the Bay of Bengal, right? It's not something that's new to this part of the country. So the government doesn't take long-term measures for this. For example, there's an Adani port, which is somewhere in North Chennai, and it's been given the nod to expand. And this expands over wetlands, and wetlands historically protect surrounding areas from floods. But these are not things that the government considers as measures it needs to look at for preparing for floods and for cyclones and for rain. Similarly, the Buckingham Canal, which is one of the main waterways which uh, supplies water. So the government has gone on this entire project of building drains in the city. It's clearing all the drains. So that's great, which means the water will flow faster. But all the water from our city's drains mostly wind up in the Buckingham Canal, which has been blocked. So how is that not part of what the government is doing? So as early as two days ago, uh, they were building a road blocking Buckingham Canal in order to move machinery and build transmission towers. So I don't understand why every year we go through the same thing of preparing for a flood and preparing for a cyclone when we don't look at long-term measures. And I think um, not just um, in Chennai, that's a problem in Delhi also, where the floodplains of rivers have been taken over. You know, yeah. urban planners assume that a floodplain is not part of the river. And if you talk to any, in fact, the person who made a presentation to me is a government employee in FRI, FRI, FRI Forest Research Institute. Hmm. And how the floodplain actually is the river's land, it is not the city's land. Yeah. But around the country, this conventional thinking seems to have, you know, contagious and everybody believes that the floodplain is not part of the river because you yeah. know, it, it kind of spells once a year and because of that in Delhi when you know, that flood happened in areas in Yamuna when the river swelled and because the floodplain had been taken over the sewage backs up hmm. because it, it, it you know the, the river can't flood so the, the river goes back into the sewage so that's what is going to happen in Yamuna floodplains we have commonwealth games uh, you know houses okay the housing complex. We have Akshardham Temple yeah. and we have a huge DTC uh, depot. And all yeah. of them, DTC depot was supposed to be makeshift. In fact, none other than the, uh, you know, the governor had said it during the Commonwealth Games. But now it has become a permanent fixture. 
in fact the whole uh, blood flow uh, being taken over by builders is also a problem that has been pointed out by some reporters on twitter mm. uh, there's this large building uh, next to the river which pretty much is like coming into the river i don't know which, what, what it's a big white building jashi do you know what i'm talking about it's... i mean this pretty much all of chennai is built on a flood plain to yeah. be honest i mean yes. the airport and its runways are built on flood plains half our residential areas it offices roads flyovers everything is a flood plain so and most of chennai was lakes i think we discussed this when we were yes, talking about the hyderabad floods Correct. as well so which is what i'm saying though i mean these are this is these are not new things these are things that we'll discuss and then somebody will write a story saying oh my god like and it is is this really a natural disaster there's nothing natural about it but but at the end of the day i mean your government wants to encourage illegal constructions it wants to pass the construction and expansion of ports it wants to take over beaches so but that's even, something that yeah the, at least the good news is that it's weakened uh, officially it has weakened to a uh, from a very severe cyclonic storm to a severe cyclonic storm yeah but like i think everyone was just sort of going through that deja vu horror of what happened in uh, the 2016 flood then the 2000 2016 cyclone the 2015 flood so you know preparations this time were a lot more intense because people have lived through really really bad things uh, the idea of going through it again has been in my building also i'm so i'm not in madras now for a couple of days but building i mean trees have fallen on my building my sister's house is flooded the water came up through the tiles of the floor but oh, wow. no one has lost lives and no one has lost their livelihood so but uh, i guess chennai both at an administration level and at the general aam aadmi level it is mm. more disciplined than i guess many cities in the north like you would not be able to have the kind of uh, you know uh, systems in place let's say in a kanpur or in ilhabad or a delhi i don't know what bihar what about bihar anand the kosi annual flood although there's no construction the kosi flood is not caused by construction right that's just the way it is it is uh, and th- uh, not only kosi there are seven eight rivers which are flood prone and uh, that has more to do with uh, the monsoon uh, as well as uh, the release of water from the nepal side right there are dams involved in that one right so uh, anyway uh, we hope our listeners in chennai and surrounding areas in puducherry are safe and we hope you can get back to normal and your regular livelihoods and lives as soon as possible so yes we think about you and give you guys a shout out and hope all is well and may we learn every year with the journalism that is done around it i do believe it does have impact even if it's slow impact hmm. and in fact let me just go instead of the farmers uh, you know march which we'll discuss in some detail then quickly go to this kerala bill that was kind of taken back by the government manish you want to tell us a little bit about what the original bill was and there are two or three amusing things associated with it the police act right section 118 ah. which is basically a bit like 66a right i'm not very i don't know the details of this ha ah, yeah it is very similar to 66a you you start i'll i'll go in so the kerala government amid a lot of uh, backlash had cleared a law which is a bit like 66a which basically makes uh, anything offensive on social media criminal and that got a lot of people uh, uh, criticizing the government and they, pull, they they were pretty quick to respond i felt Within yes day, yeah. they, so yeah. in fact it's called section 118a of the kerala police act hmm. um, and the earlier one that news on just ran a campaign against was uh, section 66a of the it act which was um, you know put in place by kapil sibal and it made any you know defamation or any uh, saying anything about uh, authorities which was defamatory a criminal offence and it was deeply worrying and 
even after 66 has been withdrawn we know of many cases where local thanas just you know arrest people under that now uh, one thing i want to point out was that i think this is what separates and uh, you know i would like to know what the panel thinks of this separates the uh, left and i'm talking about the political left in india from the political right now i know for a fact several spokespersons of the left parties refused to come on panels defending this and they communicated that to pinyari as well and i know this for a fact because i i know a guest coordinator in a channel who said that they spoke to a particular lady from that party and she said i am not coming on this panel i don't support it and i have communicated this to my party leadership so you will not get any spokespersons from here now and because of the backlash the they withdrew it yeah whereas when it comes to the the political right in india they would not give a fuck you can keep jumping you can keep like what is happening even on the farmers and we'll discuss in some detail a there will be no one within the party who will say no sorry i'm not going to appear defending this if modi has given the nod everybody will fall in line and everyone will say this is a great idea and people like hardeep puri have defended the most ridiculous things and he's considered one of the most normal and sane voices of the bjp so i think this is a big distinction and even during my rti days i remember often even though the left was a part of the upa yachuri came to our protests where we were blocking the amendments to the rti act while his party was supporting upa but with the political right there will be no opposition inside the party and even a law as ridiculous as this love jihad which we'll also discuss in detail they will say aap karte raha protest we don't give a fuck and that is a reality and that is a big difference and i'd just like to know what the what the panel thinks on this jayshree want to go first uh yeah so i totally agree with you uh but i'll get there so one thing that i think the proposed ordinance did was it made terms much more vague in which it said uh people who abuse and humiliate rather than making it something strict like defamation so i mean great that it got a lot of criticism and yeah so i think absolutely this shows the difference between the left and the right the legislation itself was shockingly draconian i mean they claimed its motivations was to protect women online but i mean the actual response was very authoritarian but both in terms of the government listening to the voice of the people and in terms of the cpm itself having an internal democratic structure where cpm leaders were criticizing it i mean that's a great sign because when is the last time any government in india put out a draconian legislation was met with protests and then actually withdrew it but uh when you talked about the left and the right thing uh you know i feel even liberals have been criticizing it saying that oh this shows that the left is no different from the right but i think we should also remember that parties like the congress put out draconian legislations like the uapa and the nsa but they never responded to criticism about it so yes that's true in some cases they didn't like section 66a they did take back uh, but uh, funnily enough the editors guild uh, has got kapil sibbal among other lawyers uh, as part of a legal advisory panel to advise and work with the guild on issues of press freedom i thought that was <laughs> i mean of all the lawyers you have in this country you have invited who who has done this sir you your friends must be part of editors guild making such decisions like why would you do it it's such a dumb thing to do even from an optics point of view i know also he started that fly by night operation tiranga which he just shut randomly and then there was such a i mean barkha took him to court and he obviously settled with barkha but a lot of other journalists were like you know we had to be paid dues and he mm. defended 666 quite a bit i mean they did withdraw it eventually or they did say ki theek hai jo bhi hai but he was quite a vociferous defender of 666 yes yes in yeah. fact and there were many arrests people who drew cartoons about sonia gandhi i remember the first few bunch of arrests were 
on someone who had drawn cartoon and that was like jashi said very vaguely worded i remember these two words causing annoyance <laughs> if something that pose causes annoyance bloody hell man the one people who annoy me they should all be behind bars or what but uh, it was yeah as vaguely worded as that and i think asim trivedi no asim trivedi was sedition no who showed the parliamentary toilet that was also i think under upa so yes uh, anand you have a view on that do you think there's a difference in how um, you know the political left and the political right in india respond to criticism no at least uh, not in universities academia political left is as intolerant of criticism as uh, the right i think it has to do with uh, the disciplinarian cadre based organizations and uh, you you have um, more to lose in a very disciplined cadre based organizations if you go against the line uh, rollback uh, as i as far as i remember the, the india government did rollback the land acquisition bill after uh, facing criticism and some dissenting voices within the party and uh, uh, so um, dogmatic organizations generally um, are uh, because you see the nature of the cadre and the scale of it it's so huge you cannot count for everyone whether he is for or against now spokespersons are a very um, i would say a very minor representation of the whole range of uh, party workers or cadre so whether we should um, take them as the microcosm of uh, uh, microcosm of the view within the party Uh, i am not so sure about that but in this case yachuri himself uh, held a press conference and said that there's been criticism and we'll rethink so it's not just spokespersons it's also top leadership giving a press conference and saying that they'll rethink and they are listening to the criticism but i i think also it's of a specific party i think modi's bjp or modi's right is different for example i mean i remember um, you know it was difficult to get people from the aam aadmi party to appear to defend somnath bharti I remember when he had done that entire midnight raid, uh, and there used to be all sorts of problems. Um, guest coordinators used to face because you know when it comes to AAP, when it came to Congress, certain spokesmen say, "Ham to aayenge nahi. We don't want to defend this." And no party high command could instruct them to. Whereas Modi's BJP, no spokesperson will have the guts to tell any coordinator, "I'm not going to come to defend this. I don't agree." Because if it gets back to the party leadership, you know. Th- that's the end of your relevance in the party so i do think it is also this particular bjp when nobody has the guts to say i don't agree like i don't believe a shanawaz hussain or mukhtar abbas naqvi in their heart of hearts can think this love jihad legislation is a good idea i mean when uh, shanawaz hussain was asked because he has a hindu wife ki aapne love jihad kiya he very cutely said humne to love kiya i don't know if you guys have seen that clip now that's very cute and everyone is how endearing and all But dude, what is your party doing? Like you know, back. Aapka love, love. Baakiyon ka love jihad. I'm also wondering though that left government's response has something to do with the media also. Because look, if BJP had come up with such a law, everyone, all prime time anchors, top news uh, journalists would support and you know do half the spokespersons ka kam for them. When it comes to the left, there's like complete trashing from the liberal media, from the right media, from the centrist media. So I think that also I'm wondering if any party is given that kind of adulation and complete like free pass in the press would they also eventually become like a Modi government I think the one I, of the I think I think the left of Bengal proved that it does I mean it happens to everybody yeah No I think I think in the in 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 any party structure uh, any party structure is a monolithic one so so in most of the cases the decisions 
that flow i mean nobody op normally don't oppose in this particular case yes uh, in left we have seen uh, you know the the differences within i mean after the decision was taken in case of modi i think things are far far uh, you know serious i agree with the you know what abhi has said but i think i would like to go beyond that uh, in 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 uh, modi's party the Mo once the once a line is being given like say nationalism or something so so the cadre can go to any level any lunatic level as lunatic as love jihad so where the where the leadership doesn't i mean what i'm saying that is not necessary that it has to flow uh, from uh, modi you know i mean the 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 cadre can take it to sure big level I mean, you know any any level ha huh, yes the cringe takes over yes. like happening with trump yes. i mean Trump is retweeting like that Quaid guy, that completely mad actor. He's clearly clinically insane. The kind of stuff he tweets. The president of the United States is retweeting that stuff. I'm just, I was blown away. That's, I mean, if you see Donald Trump's Twitter timeline, th that's the most powerful man in the world. I mean, that there has to be something fundamentally wrong with the politics of the world if a guy like that can get that kind of power. I see. You know, but um, uh, but sir, what do you make of this? Uh, you know, the the editors' guild setting this panel of lawyers. which has kapil sibal in it to announce a legal advisory panel to advise and work on gill on issues of press freedom like why would they do that i mean i just don't get this i mean seema mustafa is the president right hmm yeah i mean kapil sibal is a very good lawyer and all that apparently but yeah maybe, i don't maybe he is available free of course so, so they have i doubt it <laughs> i really doubt if he's no available. no his his fees is so huge no, i'm sure i'm sure he'll be free i don't think, i don't think editors guild can uh, afford, afford him <laughs> They can't afford it. But someone, someone tell me, what does the editors' guild do apart from issuing statements? I mean, occasionally it talks about sending fact-finding teams and all. I don't know if it does, but I haven't I mean, read a decent fact-finding thing from exactly. Them anyway, like no. they just put out statements maybe once a week, and yeah. I don't see them doing yeah, much. Yeah, even else, as so. a lobbying force, they're no, really I, like. Of late, I'm seeing more uh, statements. <laughs> yeah, but, but 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 they're not even a lobbying force yeah, in the not, sense that you know, not. like. If they, they say something, the statement not. would have weight. They would, can't you know. lobby. They are not even a pressure group. Pre exactly, not even yeah. a pressure group. Yeah. yeah, at least they should be able to be a pressure group. Yes. But I, I, yeah, I do, I do, I don't understand why you would want a politician. I mean, fine, couple civil or whatever. But essentially, a press body should have lawyers that, that are not affiliated to a political political party. And, and lawyers' ka onnis bees ka fark hota hai. I mean, they have lots of brilliant lawyers, and anyone will tell you, you know, I'm sure you know better than me. Yeah. that you engage in appearing counsel people like sibbal singhvi harish salve they don't really study the case i mean they are just briefed by whoever they are very good for appearing because their face has impact in the court agar ye judge baitha hai to sibbal ko wahan khada kar do matlab jeth malani would be so intimidating that many judges would not open their mouth in front of him mm -hmm. so that is the value they provide they aren't providing any thinking value as such so there are many people like sibbal so i think No, Even no, if they he are, doesn't cost anything in money terms, he's costing on credibility. Like, why would you get? Yeah, him? No, yeah. No, there are exactly. better. In fact, there are better uh, lawyers, you know, than uh, Sibyl, uh, who have an expertise just into these uh, press laws. I know many mm. of them. There's one, Mr. Salwan. I know. I mean, 
who has been representing you know many uh, media houses also so they, they are they are much better because they they really know the press law so sibal is not doesn't have any expertise sibal expertise is uh, as you said i mean is a celebrity lawyer also he so, has done so such weird it. things during the 2019 general elections remember he came up with that sting keep i don't know what money he's found and some very shady sting ah, and then ah, that yeah, site turned into a pawn Twitter, site yeah. after some time and like yes. he was and supporting more it and then he is associated with a political party so we should not be they yeah you definitely need a more credible name than that anand you want to add anything to this you want to trash sibyl <laughs> no no nothing to add to that yesri no i mean i think the guild has been accused recently of being uh, it only issues statements for celebrity journalists so like you all said now they've just brought in a celebrity lawyer to sort of head their legal advisory thing so yeah but the main point of the current right being able to defend anything while the left doesn't do that i think that is clear the world over and here as well yeah now uh, before i move on to the farmers issue just want to point out that we will be reading the letters all together right at the end now because the hafta podcast player it is really cool sexy podcast player which is comparable to any of the fine podcast players across the world that we have developed in house at news laundry has a time stamp of when what issue is discussed at what time stamp so those of you who want to skip the letters can skip them completely those come together right at the end because we had got lots of feedback many of you wanted the letters read out many of you said no they, they don't add any value but we believe they do so we've just clubbed it all together and those who don't want to listen to them can skip that section completely now coming to the farmers protest uh, this is to do with the fa- new farm law which has been making news sometimes off and on for the last few months farmers from haryana and punjab were marching to delhi and even as we speak yogendra yadav and several other farmers have been detained in gurgaon and there was a water cannon was fired yeah. on them early this morning uh, according to some reports uh, from journalists there has also been tear gas farmers have picked up those barricades and thrown that into the canal uh, somewhere near haryana uh, uh, in haryana near the border and the clashes have become a little more uh, aggressive and this is because they want to march to delhi and they're not being allowed to march to delhi now uh, let me start with anand anand uh, politically the impact of this i don't think can be missed uh, even uh, khatter's responses to the farm law were kind of he was hedging he wasn't as clear on it as many cent- people in the center were will he have to pay a huge political price because haryana and punjab farmers are very important constituent and b uh, how do you think this is being handled by the center when it comes to the protests should they be allowed to march to delhi should they not and how should they be prevented if they have to what is your take on this entire fracas I think uh, the backlash against the law ha- has uh, centered around two three states it has not uh, spread uh, there are many reasons for that uh, the prime reasons that some experts give is that because of the bazar samiti that is uh, the mandi and uh, agents and farmer relationship between these two three states uh, in these two three states is different from what it is in other states now for example bihar this was done in 2006 and there was not much protest and a lot of farmers uh, uh, in fact welcomed the idea so this is a very specific uh, kind of protest which is centered around two three states because of some specific uh, relationship pattern between bandis and farmers 
second, I think uh, the center had reached out with, uh, though maybe they were uh, stubborn on certain conditions. Uh, Naresh Tumba, the agriculture minister, had some rounds of meetings with farmer from leaders, uh, farmers' leaders, and uh, um, it didn't uh, materialize into some concrete conclusions. So uh, the past history of farmers uh, uh, entering Delhi has uh, not been very, you can say, peaceful. Uh, and uh, that is uh, playing on the nerves of law enforcing agencies. So um, uh, these are the fault lines uh, that uh, for uh, two, three days, uh, it would be crucial how it plays out. Right. Um, what What do you think, uh, Raman sir? You saw, you know, how they were confronted the protests. I I think this whole um, culture of crushing dissent at a protest level is something that is new and it is not being called out enough. In fact, last night there was love jihad being discussed in prime time while farmers march was happening. Do you think uh, they have a better chance of not being um, met with water cannons if while protesting they they shout "Desh ke ko goli maro salon ko," then they'd be treated a little more gently? You think? Uh, I tend to agree a little with Anand, uh, you know, when he said the past experience, you know, with these farmers, particularly in, uh, say, coming from Punjab, Haryana and, uh, you know, uh, Western UP uh, is pretty bad. I mean, when, when they were marching towards Delhi, I mean, it, it has mostly resulted into violence and it has also resulted, you know, several times into hooliganism. So I was coming from Noida today and on, on the radio, when I was coming on the radio, they were already announcing that uh, the Kalindi couldn't, uh, you know, is jammed. Uh, this uh, DND is also jammed. So I was worried. So where should I go? I mean, so I if I can't take DND, then I should go towards Nizamuddin. But somehow I took, I just took DND. I said, I took my chance. So I saw that on the DND, the police, there was a bandobast, a lot of police, but the Kisans had not come hmm. uh, till that area. So I was able to, you know, oh. pass, um, uh, you know, that area. And I saw also the barricades near, uh, huge barricades and there were traffic jams, uh, you know, near All Indian Institute of Medical Science too. Uh, so I, I feel that, uh, I mean, to some extent, you know, this, uh, to stop this hooliganism, uh, which which really it has resulted always in the past. I mean always. I mean almost ninety nine percent it has resulted into it. The it's not like uh, you know farmers marching peacefully in Bombay, which was such a. Beautiful I was just scene. I was just going to say that ah. one of the most striking uh, ah. images were of uh, farmers walking yes. into Bombay. Yes. And they changed their timings also because there were board exams. But the point is, when they did that, it was just good photo op, but no one cared. Like, <laughs> like it just. <laughs> I mean, there is was there a lot any of leader like. Mahendra Singh Tiket was for the farmers. You know, Mahendra Singh Tiket ah, had led yes. But then that his entire protest was He basically end, ended up becoming irrelevant rather than achieving anything. There is no one such face anymore, is there? Mm -hmm. There is no. There is no, not, not one face, right? And in case of Rajasthan, uh, you know, Kirodi Singh Bensla was like a... He, he was a representative of his community or was he, a, was he like a Gurjar? Representative was he a farmer representative? Anand, do you have a view on that? Is he no Gurjar representative? He was agitating for uh, job it... reservations in government jobs. But he hasn't weighed oh, on the uh, farmers' issue. No, no. I think it was a 
caste-based agitation for uh, um, uh, more uh, reservation in government jobs. Right. So, yeah, Jeshri, uh, have you seen the images of the arrests and the water cannons in the freezing? Yeah, I mean, so I am strongly in support of, of um, protests. I think it's shocking that they're being met with tear gas, they're being met with water cannon. I think we also shouldn't forget that about 20 or 25 crore workers are going on a strike today. It's one of the biggest labor strikes happening across India, and it's happening today as well. They're also protesting the farm bills, they're protesting the new labor codes, they're protesting the privatization of banks and public sector units, they're protesting the fact that the codes do not allow them to go on strike. So, and I, deep, I mean, protests are never, are not meant to be convenient, right? They will lead to traffic jams, they will lead to chaos, because that is the point of a protest. If you want to protest to fit within the guidelines of what is amenable for the rest of the public, it's not a protest. So, and I, I think it's horrifying that they're treating, they're beating them with water cannons. I mean, the reason they've given also is coronavirus, no? Ki pandemic ho hai, you can't congregate, which is a bit ha, rich but, yeah, after all of... Which they don't use for other stuff, right? Yeah, for yeah. Religious no, we've seen enough congregations now. Uh, I mean, we've yeah. seen weddings of like 200 people. I, I so. think Corona... I, there was an article on this also. I, the CPJ had issued something that basically authoritarian regimes around the world are using coronavirus as an excuse yeah, to, to selectively crack down on Because, you know, like Jeshri said, religious congregations are allowed. Um, we saw what happened in the Bihar election. So clearly they pick and choose where they'll allow a congregation and where they will pull the corona card. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, then Delhi, they had that uh, some puja or something, you know, for Diwali or something a few couple of weeks ago. So that was allowed. It's... No, I'm, yeah. Where are you drawing this line? I'm all for I'm all for this protest. I mean, of course, protest is very integral part of the democracy, and it should happen. But uh, Jashiri, I mean, uh, you need to see protests. You know that happen around Delhi when when this uh, the Delhi, uh, sorry, Punjab, Haryana, and uh, oh. you know people uh, come from. Uh, I mean, mm. there are so there's so much hooliganism. Yeah, I mean that of course has to be stopped. Uh, I mean the Jat protests were famously known for yes. complete vandalism, looting, yeah. and even molestations. And molestations, so, molestations, yeah. rape. I mean, all these things happen here. I know, but I feel like that is just a side effect of these protests. I don't know. I mean, I guess there needs to be a way to control that. But even with the Black Lives Matter protests abroad, right? I mean, those a lot of them were criticized, saying that oh, they were hooligans and they were looting shops and things. So. I'm not, I don't know, I mean... I think not all of question, them are like that, but, but I mean, some protests have been like yeah, that. But I haven't no, I heard of this particular protest going down that route of... Uh, I mean, what from what I've seen so far, the images are pretty peaceful, determined people, but no, no like, toad forward or... Yeah. Yeah. Basically, let me just say what the rest of you are too politically correct to say, that a protest that is basically dominated by people from Haryana and Punjab will not have the same civility that... A South or yeah. a UP or a Bihar yeah. will have. Yeah. So that's what you guys are trying to Yes, yes. Basically. I would never say that. I no, but Punjab. I am, I, am, I am trying to say that. No, Haryana, <laughs> I, Haryana I agree, but not Punjab. Punjab protests. Punjabs are still better. Uh, Haryana and this people from uh, Punjab. Western, Western, Western. Basically, you are trying to say Jat. 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 Where were, where were all those supporters from? They were from Punjab and no, Haryana. No, Haryana. Mostly Haryana. Punjab also. Punjab. Punjab also, yeah. So, Anand, what, what do you think? Is your state more, more like the Haryanwis or are you more like the, you know, other parts of the country who have civilized protests? No, I think... 
we are a league in ourselves <laughs> what does that mean please elaborate now anand can you elaborate i mean so that that league is where like where does it stand on the on the, on the quality of protest in in bihar you see uh, the energy of protest in bihar has been such that it led to jp movement jp movement was essentially a bihar movement it its center was patna bihar movement and the, the student activism and all these farmers and various groups uh, uh, cobbled up there after that i think uh, the uh, the energy or the wave of protest or the culture of protest in bihar has dissipated in different ways and uh, the protest uh, took a, a different kind of lumpenization to uh, totally be eroded into lumpen groups and uh, there is not any in no any more uh, culture of protest here there is just a, if some uh, say uh, some kind of anger is boiling up there are better ways to settle it there so It, uh, there is more a culture of violence than protest and not this congregated violence of protesters but just a very clinical performance i see and jashri what about tamil nadu um i don't think there's too much violence when it comes to protests i mean yeah i would assume there's some hooliganism as it would be called which is breaking barricades and climbing over but no definitely not the form that raman sir described in haryana and up right so uh, anything you want to add on this manisha and raman sir i mean i see that yogendra yadav whenever there's a farmer protest he is one of the first to get arrested and <laughs> what he does for the rest of the year i he, think yogendra i think he sucks out the oxygen from these protests i mean like like i said what was the case of the amadi party he'll enter on the weekend and say i'm the captain of the team and then when people say no you're not because you are not there for most of the week uh he'll just because he's the most articulate and eloquent he'll make the headlines and then you know head out and then we don't know what he's doing the rest of the week i think yogendra yadav with his presence at protests is doing what kabil sibal is doing to the guild with his presence on that i mean completely useless no i mean no lookers just a talking head and not even like i would rather listen to farmers actually yes. you know the guys who are protesting they all have heads yes. they all have units so let's get those guys on even it's convenient i mean it's just it's just a spokesperson basically who's available so you just have him everywhere and so he lands everywhere and breaking barricades yeah, is absolutely fine i mean there's nothing wrong with that what did you i want? only have a problem with this hooliganism i mean they when 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 this lumpen uh, elements by you which know, you mean like take on proper tor for ah. agjan Arjani. I mean, there was one. I don't remember why it was, but I am talking about when I was in. I think I must have been in class nine, class nine or ten. So it would have been class maybe nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine or something. A whole bunch of farmers had come to Delhi, like, and that Delhi of the eighties was not today's Delhi. And I remember there were some friends of my sisters who were in Connaught Place who were coming back from college, and these hundreds of farmers were just walking up Janpat. and they just were going around groping and misbehaving with women like just and it was afternoon it was like 12 in the afternoon and uh, police could do couldn't do anything i don't know why they had come i don't know what it could be maybe someone can write in and remind us but though i do uh, think yogendra yadav just on yogendra yadav bit I, i mean he did make a very good party spokesperson i think like but now no, absolutely yeah. he did but yeah. the, the thing is that so does by the you know bjp standards of spokesperson so so does sambit patra but i'm sure sambit patra doesn't expect that when the party congregates i will get to make the decisions that those are still remember amit shah and modi you know i think the expectation of 
people like Yogendra Yadav is that because I have the most degrees, I'm the best spoken, I'm the most educated, therefore I will be listened to. And that is not how any team works. The person who is willing to put the most hours in the trenches will call the shots. It doesn't matter whether that person is the most qualified or the most educated or the most literate. Or articulate. That, that, that is true for any team. And that is what a lot of people who come from a certain amount of privilege don't understand. That because I'm a better judge of things, I will get to make decisions. You will not. For that, you have to be the one who pulls the most hours in the trench. And that's true for any organization. Yeah, and I think like commentary also on this mostly happens from these people of privilege, right? And the commentary then sort of centers around the manner in which these protests take place rather than the reason why these protests are taking place, which, I mean, the labor strike, I mean, it's, it'll become more about the number of people on the road and the number of traffic jams rather than why these people chose to come out in the first place. So Right. That's that's true. Uh, now, before I move on to the Love Jihad, which Manisha will tell us a little about the background and we can discuss this in some detail. And Jeshi, I wanted to ask you, I saw yesterday on social media, this Jallikattu is the official Indian entry to the Oscars. And some people are making fun. Why is it? I mean, is it the film? Is it the choice? Is is the politics of the film? Can, do you know anything about this film? And, and why? And anything about why it has become an issue that it's been sent to the Oscars? I'm not entirely sure about the social media thing, but I know Kangana Ranaut had made some dig about Jalikato saying that she said that how people say there's a Bollywood gang. Now there's a movie mafia gang in Malayalam cinema also, which is, I mean, sounds like utter bullshit. I have, I mean, maybe there is some gang of which I don't know, but it sounded a bit like sour grapes to me. So, but what, what, what is this film? Have you seen the film? What, is it a good film? I, no, I, I, I have not watched. Generally. Is it like the masala kind of Bollywood kind of movies or is it like an artsy? No, so it's about like animal uh, brutality in a way. It's about, so I think the story itself, you know what jelly cutter is, right? Or, yeah, yeah. Which happened. So it's about one uh, cow. Sorry, of... Ashley, may I just cut in? Uh, some of our audience may not know. So jelly cutter is this sport, which is a part of, I think, Gonam festivities where, you know, these people run with bulls. It's a bit like the Spanish bull run. Uh, and there are accusations that the animals are needlessly provoked, that sometimes, you know, chili powder is rubbed into their eyes and into their genitalia to make them more aggressive. It is not fair on the animals. And it became a political issue that jelly cutter should be banned because it is cruelty to animals. And it became a huge, you know, political issue with very few parties could take a clear stand because in popular culture and in regular lives of voters, I guess, in some southern states, jelly cutter is a very much a part that they don't want banned. So that is the political context of Jalikatta. Yes, go ahead, Rajesh. Huh. So the movie itself is based on a short story and it's about a bull that has escaped from a slaughterhouse and about how, or, or from somewhere and how a community of people come together to try and track, uh, track it down. So it's a lot of human interest. It's a lot of like people's lives. It has a slightly political undertone of the message in which, like the context of Jalikatta as it is placed today. So I've not watched it though. I am ashamed to say I haven't watched it, but it seems like a great nomination to me. I mean, I don't understand why. But what I did enjoy yesterday on social media was that uh, Hindi imposition, ban Hindi imposition was trending again in the context of the cyclone. So I really enjoy how Tamil Twitter and all is very quick to jump onto those things. How is right. that Hindi imposition 
और हिंदी पोजीशन वाज ट्रेंडिंग बिकॉज़ द मेट डिपार्टमेंट हैड ट्वीटेड अबाउट द साइक्लोन एंड इट ट्वीटेड इन हिंदी या सो पीपल आर लाइक व्हाट द फक इट्स लाइक देयर वाज एन अनाउंसमेंट इन हिंदी द द द सेंट्रल वेदर दिस थिंग आई सो इट ऑन द टीवी इट वाज इन प्योर हिंदी आई मीन समथिंग व्हिच इवन आई कांट अंडरस्टैंड या सो and so that so that people were supporting it saying listen there are you know migrants from up living in madras how yes. will they get their news i'm sorry like i don't i doubt i mean i'm sure they need their news as well but they could have tweeted first in english then in tamil and then in hindi if they hmm. had to tweet in hindi at all so yeah but yeah that hashtag like trended immediately it was good fun right so now manisha could you just tell us about um, this love jihad hmm. how many states are planning to actually put a law in place against love jihad what is the one that up says the up one says yeah and how does the case that you mentioned impact the law so the uttar pradesh cabinet has cleared a draft ordinance uh, and it's basically against forceful interfaith conversions and there are lots of proposals in it uh, defining punishment uh, there are basically three heads there's if you're guilty of converse, converting through misrepresentation force or undue influence or if you're converting a minor woman or someone from the scheduled caste or the scheduled tribes and also if you're converting at a mass level when the yogi aditya government passed it he basically cited a high court judgment from the alabad high court which said that religious conversions only for the sake of marriage are unacceptable and very recently in another case of so called love jihad where a girl married a a uh, muslim man hindu girl married a muslim man of her own accord and then converted her parents filed an fir so while uh, pronouncing its judgment on that case the alabad high court said that that single bench order was bad law and that we cannot interfere with people's right to love and live the way they want to so and that is the law that this ordinance has been based on yeah i mean that's the one of the uh, explanations the yogi aditanath government gave that you know the the alabad high court has said so so we are going to take it ahead and pass very stringent laws against conversion um, meanwhile at the same time in kanpur there were about 14 cases of so called love jihad that the vhp wanted the sit to investigate uh, the sit came out with its findings that it could not come to any conspiracy angle that there's no conspiracy there's no concerted effort and there's no foreign funding to these cases uh, they found that i think three cases were mutual 11 cases involved kidnapping coercion or criminal activities and out of those 11 cases three cases they're saying are cases of men faking identity and faking documents but even in those three cases they couldn't find a conspiracy and love jihad essentially is it's not about a crime against a woman or a criminal activity it's basically the idea is to criminalize love itself so yeah, because what, there are already laws against yeah i mean fraud there are fraud, laws against fraud yeah. if i'm i lie about who i am so i mean yeah. there are enough you know provisions to deal with that and also uh, the fundamental thing is that till now i mean the sit has not come up with any conspiracy angle and there's really been no breakthrough by any police uh, saying that there's a conspiracy at a mass scale that muslim men are being taught ki tika lagao kalawa pehno aur apne aap ko amit bol ke hindu ladki ko fasao that kind of conspiracy has just not been unearthed but uh, but i think one of the interesting things is that i've watched a lot of debates on love jihad and when you see the bjp spokespersons in which i also include the news anchors the thing is that love jihad is no longer about lying about your identity and converting it's about a muslim man loving a hindu girl 
सो अ लॉट ऑफ स्पोक्स पर्सन एव सेट कि अरे हमें प्यार से प्रॉब्लम नहीं है प्यार करते हो लेकिन कन्वर्ट क्यों करते हो नाउ इन मैनी केसेज ऑफ म्यूचुअल यू नो लव लाइक इन दिस केस दट द अलाहाबाद हाईकोर्ट वॉज गिविंग अ जजमेंट ऑन द वुमन हैज़ कन्वर्टेड शी हैज़ कन्वर्टेड टू इस्लाम बट शी जैन एट ऑफर ओन अकॉर्ड सो नाउ देर इज ऑल्सो दिस थिंग दैट एंड शी जैन एट नोइंगली you know she's wanted to convert to islam because she wants to be with this man or whatever i mean hadia's case was also a bit similar but she converted to islam first and then she fell in love with a muslim boy but the the thing is that love jihad is no longer about a conspiracy it's now gone into the territory of why uh, convert if you love you love you don't have to like convert yourself or dharm parivartan ki karne ki zarurat nahi aur aur and also popular culture mein muslim ladke kyun hindu ladkiyon ko dikhate hain love karte hue so you know like suitable boy kiss controversy is part of the tanish controversy yeah that's yeah that it's i mean there is nothing i don't know how many people will be protected by this law i mean i think this is i i would find it very hard to find someone who can defend this on law i mean it is clearly a political messaging on the entire hindu muslim is the issue that the bjp basically exists on that is it and nobody also, nobody is interested in love jihad in fact this this ordinance falls flat because it does not even legally define what love jihad means so so mm-hmm. first of all you need to define that um they have not defined it completely so so uh, and 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 also whenever these cases have come up in the court even the supreme court had also raised the same issue so uh, i mean I you had the nia investigating that hadia uh-huh. case i mean uh-huh. <laughs> national so, investigation so so i think i think it is part of that larger narrative of uh, you know causing divide in the society but love jihad i think what it really does is and that's what's really scary is it's going to make life really hard for young couples who are in mixed you know from different religious backgrounds who are in love or who want to marry because often in these cases what happens and this uh, ordinance allows gives a lot of power to relatives to file an fir and say ki forceful conversion kiya hai and then the onus of proving the forceful the conversion is on the person who's converted so mm. i have to prove it's not been forceful yeah. if my father says and in so many cases like i've reported on one in meerut where this girl was in a consensual relationship with the man uh, she had an abortion mm. uh, so she, you know i think people got to know or whatever and her family immediately cracked down on her for about 6 months because there was so much pressure from the family and they had said all sorts of thing ki uska organs are being trafficked she was fed beef she was taken to the madrasa and converted and you know how parents have this uska us pe jadu tona kar diya uska dimag turn kar diya in logon ne usko you know islam ka wo padha padha ke uska dimag change ho gaya she had to go with that line she was giving those uh, bites to all journalists because there's so much pressure from your village or family and all the right wing groups that usually assemble mm-hmm. around such a couple that's what going to happen and then finally she had the guts to come out to the magistrate and say no i love this guy i want to marry him not so many women will not be able to do that they will have to go yeah. with the family line yeah they they will not have the confidence anand uh, the only state which has a bjp government even if it's a coalition is bihar where this issue has not been at all spoken of i mean it's clear nitesh is not interested in this issue in his state a why do you think and uh, can the bjp prevail on him to get it made an issue in bihar and what is your take on the legalities you are an ias teacher what what is the legality of this provision well being an ias teacher has nothing to do with it so uh, 
you see, I, I think my initial observations and my observations about such cases, I there was a discussion, I think, two, three weeks back here on the same podcast. And I would be repeating those, so I am avoiding that. What I am saying is that uh, the conversation from both sides has not uh, taken account of the positives and negatives cases of each other. I mean, uh, cases uh, because a lot of those cases would be fake but there would be some genuine ones so when girls like in Bhagpat I think a week back a girl approached uh, and there was a nurse who approached that a Muslim doctor had faked his identity while they were in a relationship and there's that so and then then there would be many fake cases that someone had pointed out so the platforms who are uh, very much opposed to the idea of such cases existing would only highlight the negatives that the fake cases and uh, uh, the platforms who are interested in highlighting these cases will highlight only the positives where they are genuine cases so that hampers a conversation about the individual cases. I am sure that there is no conspiratorial angle to it. I had earlier also spoken that uh, to see a design in it and not and not seeing it as individual cases of, uh, say, deceptive marriage or, uh, say, certain conditions uh, being put to the women after marriage or, say, of conversion. Now, these are individual cases. But to see it as a design is a far-fetched idea. I don't agree with that there is a design to it. But there could be individual cases, whether a law is needed for that, and even the law is okay with the consensual ones. It is telling about forceful. Whether a different law is needed for it, I am not legally qualified to do so, because is there a Special Marriages Act is there, which it my limited knowledge of whatever I know about it is it can take care of the of it. So whether we need a separate law for it, I am Madhya Pradesh, Mahamaji has made sounds that he will, you know, get such a law in Madhya Pradesh. I think that Vij, that Haryana minister who speaks about everything, has also made some comments on, on this whole love jihad and its prevalence. Does Haryana, does UP, any other state that has kind of said that, yes, we need this love jihad law? Karnataka has indicated that it will think yes. about it. And, and in some speeches, it's come up about in Bengal as well. Now, why is Bihar, no political BJP politician taking this up that yaha par bhi layenge? I mean, is the Muslim population in Bihar too large to outright offend like this? Or is Nitesh still powerful enough to call the shots? Why do you think it hasn't come up? by any Bihar politician in the BJP? Oh, uh, see, uh, though in popular imagination, Bihar and UP are said in the same, uh, are often spoken in same breath, but there is a lot of uh, differences, political difference, uh, difference in political culture as well as demography and political orientations of coalitions uh, and uh, a lot of differences. I don't see a lot of similarities between the political culture of UP and Bihar, also the culture of people. Uh, so no, the, Bihar has a sizable Muslim population. It's around 17%. And some of the districts, particularly in Simanchal bordering Bangladesh, are uh, w- one of those districts outside Kashmir, which are Muslim majority, like uh, Kishanganj, which has 68% Muslim population. So I think uh, Nitish factor, of obviously is there means uh, Nitesh uh, 
has a particular line on NRC also. And uh, even the BJP here, the state BJP has not been very vocal. In fact, some of the central ministers of the BJP who meddle in the state BJP politics are the ones who say raise contentious issues. But the state BJP leaders are more docile. Docile to the to the fate of coexistence with uh, Nitish. Right. I mean, although I saw this uh, piece uh, by Natasha Badwar, she used to write for the Mint early. I don't know where her column appears now, and it was about a woman who was in her forties who had said that I'm scared of basically separating from my husband. She got married in her early twenties. She has a child who's almost 20 now and after marriage she realized that her husband had lied about his profession about his financial status and about all sorts of stuff now there's no separate law for i don't know what would you call this if not love jihad love love con man as a muslim love, he it would be love jihad love scams <laughs> because he's lied about things other than his religion all love is scam abhinandan are baba are statement of the year it's all about trickery and scam acha so so i mean i guess a love jihad should come under the same provision that if you lie about your you know ki bhai what a lot of these punjabis do wahan par you know they'll marry a woman here yeah, and yeah, go yeah. to the uk uh, uk or us and marry someone there for citizenship and then abandon this and that's this. terrible there are so many horrible are cases of women uh... are in india i mean i was i was studying there was a very good um, brilliant bihari student i mean he was my classmate i i used to you know feel uh, for these guys living in the hostel so i brought him home gave him ghar ka khana so and he saw my sister he proposed to my sister <laughs> and uh, i said ki yaar ye ladka to kafi hoshiyar hai badhiya hai mujhe to kuch fark nahi padta bihari hai kya hai to maine kaha mummy ye to acha hai but we didn't do anything he just asked for my sister's picture and i gave that picture and later i came to know that he the fucker is married with a oh my god the child in uh, bihar i'm telling you this happened in 19 81 yeah yeah so 82. many cases of so fraud so many such cases and there could there could be these cases of fraud like the sit has said three cases where they faked identity to lure women yeah I but mean, that is technically covered under the ipc yeah. i mean yes. the ipc has provisions for deceit fraud also, all that my uh, argument would be let the woman go to court for fraud i am not comfortable with allowing family that power yes. considering how i mean we are a country where killing people you know for marrying outside caste and religion is a reality so i would once you're 18 i think the woman should have the right to either go to the court and say fraud hua hai or say oh, it's my business like don't be yeah love jihad is just the basic extension of women as property right that and she is hindu property who is being claimed by muslims so she must be returned to the hindu fold but also someone correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't uttarakhand already have a version of its own love jihad law which was passed in like a couple of years ago where uh, they have if someone has been converted before marriage it can be filed by other people and the person who has been converted like uttar pradesh has to prove why she was converted and she was not converted under false pretenses so, so no, when you are right there are two states that have a similar law and it's you know the forceful religious conversion law uttarakhand huh. and the other one is himachal pradesh both are bjp oh. they had also brought similar laws 
but Uttarakhand to recently was in news for promoting interfaith marriage. Yeah, so now they said scheme. that uh, oh, we'll stop that. They, they got into trouble, I think, because they pay money as an incentive to promote interfaith marriages. So now I think they're backtracking <laughs> and saying we'll stop doing it because anyway we have this law which prevents forceful conversions. But I feel like like Ramanjan okay, said, this or... is just political points, right? I mean, even if this law is struck down by a court, Uttar Pradesh government has still won because it's shown mm. that it's taking love jihad so seriously that it tried to bring in this law. So right. And you're very right about the Hindu women property bit because even if you look at the mascots of Love Jihad, if you look at the right-wing posters, mm-hmm. they put Amir Khan and Karina Kapoor and Saif Ali Khan. Okay. Now, these men obviously did not hide their identity, but because they married Hindu women, and I don't know, I mean, it's alleged that Saif Ali, uh, whatever, Karina Kapoor converted or whatever, I don't know. I mean, she's Khan, but I, I don't know about conversion and all that. So, it's like, you know, why is she... Why did like these women marry a Muslim man and why were they taken away? So, And in fact, I had done this story in 2015 on Cobra Post sting operation, Operation Romeo or Juliet, Juliet, I think, mm. where on camera, RSS, VHP, BHP, BJP guys are saying that we are going to be like this, so 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 we should come back to the right path. And... So, I mean, it's completely political. It existed in the past also, but it wasn't that radical. I remember my uh, reporting days during 90s, I had gone to Madhya Pradesh where uh, there used to be a person called Judev. He used to reconvert. So this guy, he, he used to reconvert hmm. the Hindus who used to go become Muslim or Christians. So he used to reconvert. So I had gone for that, you know, one such story for reconversion. But, but still, it wasn't that radical. It wasn't that, uh, you know, that... I mean, they, it wasn't done with a janoon, you know, with a passion. So that it will bring, uh, you know, some kind of divide. But now they are institutionalizing it, you know, by bringing in ordinances and, and with think, a certain political uh, intention to divide the society. And I think, like, popularly, at least in UP or maybe the Hindi heartland, I don't know about South or other states, there is a lot of popular, I mean, people do kind of, even if they won't outrightly reject the idea of love jihad, there is a certain angst against the Muslim man, maybe because of marriages being allowed, multiple marriages being allowed. I feel all these Hindu upcast families will have one sort of bogeyman story about, oh, you know, my second cousin's cousin married a Muslim and then found out he had two wives and then she had to come home and her father died of sorrow. So because at a fundamental level, they do not want their daughters to marry into Muslim families. So does this but apply I don't know. To I don't know if Indian, it's all Indian Muslims or does this also apply to Muslims who are not Indian? Mm, I think a foreigner Muslim is more palatable to an upcaste Hindu family than a than a than a Desi Muslim, no? So, but I mean, not all cases are false. I mean, I, I disagree with Jayesh in the sense that it's all boogeyman. There are such oh, cases. Oh no, no, no! I'm saying uh, there are cases, but but uh, yeah, I mean, I just think we could have had better conversations on this you know, right post-independence about these differences in religion, different personal laws, maybe cases like this. We've just swept it so under the carpet that now there's just the whole right-wing hijacking. Any... Anand, you were saying? Yeah. No, this, uh, this template of upper caste uh, families and there's no, it's, uh, the cases have been reported by 
women of lower castes also. So uh, this template I, in empirical sense does not hold. If you look at local newspaper reports now, the report cases not from all, only from upper caste women, but lower caste women also. So it's uh, not something that has to be seen in a template only. But uh, I did see that BJP leader whose statement um, ANI had carried, and in fact, that was on the first day of when this whole Love Jihad ordinance was proposed, that when he was said that, you know, it's a matter of two individuals, he said, no, it is not. Marriage is between two families. And if a family has a problem, they, they have the locus standi or whatever. They are well within their rights. Lord. And I, I was like, okay, now that is the problem in India. That it is not your business. It is my business also. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it becomes the whole, it becomes the whole uh, community's business also. Then the, your neighbors will come, your relatives will come. So yeah, anyone want to have closing remarks on this before I move on to some letters? Nope. I think apart from families, uh, there are cases where women have also approached police. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's legitimate fraud. Sure, I'm sure there are. There's, 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 there have yeah. to be. But uh, also we had done a, an episode on Love Jihad called Faisla on the Spot. When we had launched <laughs> Chase, the documentary series in partnership with Scoop Whoop. It's one of my favorites of that series. Do check it out. It is of this guy who calls himself Junior Bhagat Singh, uh, Mr. Chauhan. Uh, his name is Muzaffar Nagar. In, I think he's in Saharanpur. His name is Vijay Kant Chauhan. And he claims to have first unearthed the concept of love jihad. And he's a Gaur Rakshak also. So do check him out. Check out this entire episode. Uh, you shall enjoy it. I just want to add that I sincerely feel like young couples who marry outside caste and religion are really like, the revolutionaries we need. I mean, the kind of hardships they have to go through to fight their family and society. I think, I mean, I would be for schemes like Uttarakhand government where you support them financially if you don't have the backing of society or your parents. But to go against them and to give one more weapon to the family to make life hell for young lovers is disgusting. I mean, it, we laugh, we can laugh about love jihad and all, but just imagine being someone in love, you know, with a guy who's from a different religion and being unable to be with them. It's just terrible. Mm -hmm. So, um, we have a NL Sena project on Love Jihad, the whole Love Jihad package, you know, we are sending two reporters out, um, you know, in fact, we're going to have ground reports from Jharkhand also, Jharkhand, Khan, uh, UP, Madhya Pradesh, there'll be a podcast on it and there'll be an explainer which Meghnath will do on the legal aspects. So, do contribute to this NL Sena project, go to newslaundry.com, click on the NL Sena button and do contribute because we don't take any advertising money and all the reportage and work we do can only be done as long as people like you contribute and keep news laundry afloat and alive. So please do contribute to this NL Sena project. It's a very important one. And the quicker we top it up, the better, because this is very topical right now. So we'd like to wind this up in the next two or three weeks, at least the ground reporting, and then we can write it out and develop it over the next couple of weeks after that. So it is up. And also there's a good time to subscribe to News Laundry because our new website has a much more efficient payment gateway. And we have that wonderful scheme of Diwali Se Christmas Tak, where you get goodies as part of the subscription package. So do gift your loved ones a news laundry subscription because with that you also get really cool water bottles, mugs and herbal soaps. So you can not just keep yourself clean, well-fed and hydrated, but also support some good independent journalism. So thank you for those of you who have subscribed and those of you who are listening to it for free, Mufat Khodz. If you are students or don't have a job, that's fine. Uh, you have every right to be a Mufat Khod. But if you do, and you have no hesitation in spending on cigarette packets 
or a couple of thousand on one evening outside and the rest of the time you sit and whine about how miserable the media is, then don't whine if it is Arvind Kejriwal's ads and Yogi Adityanath's mugshots that keep journalism alive. Because these days, at least in Delhi papers, these are the only two people who seem to be advertising. So if you're going to step up and do something about it, only then will journalism serve you. Because when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers serve. By the way, on that Diwali puja, that's the first time I've seen Arvind in the 20 years I've known him dressed up. Like first time. I was like, dude, that was like, did you see how decked up he, he went was? To Akshadham, he went to Akshadham. He went to Akshadham temple. Ah, it was like ah. proper. Like I was like, hey, like was he dressed up? I didn't see. Politically, why is that important? Did anyone? I mean, clearly, it was a political message. There was. He looked like he was going for a wedding. The way he was. Dude, he forget wedding. <laughs> he doesn't dress up for no matter where you invite him. He'll come in his sandals, his pant, and shirt. And I'm talking before. I'm talking like since 1999, no, sorry, 2002 when I first met him. Oh I was shocked to see him decked up, decked to kill. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's. I guess it's a new political... I guess he wants to just political, continually... When political realities hit you, uh, you know, you have to go to the temple which is built on land that you had agitated against as an activist, that this, this floodplain has been taken over by Akshardham and the Commonwealth Games Village and uh, Sheila Dikshit has allowed this to happen and you have to wear finest fineries and go to that same temple and worship on Diwali. Such as and Paul, sing such as in your Besuran. But I, I think he basically doesn't want to give the right any chance to dub him anti-Hindu or give them any sort of leeway. So I think a lot of what he's doing now is to just cement his image as someone who's who can't be dubbed anti-Hindu. Haan, didn't he also say how he chants the Hanuman Chalisa or something before Haan, the Delhi election? Se pehle kiya yeah. tha. As part of this. Because usne pollution ka bhi bola tha na, ki don't light crackers and all. So he got a lot of like right wing trolls ki ye, uh, Hindu so ki Basically he was hai. saying, Dekho, I've, yeah. puja karunga, I do puja. Main light karunga, exactly. so You can't play the Hindu card. <laughs> exactly. Now before I go into the letters, I just want to make one point and we had discussed this last week as well on journalists being political agents now. And that is why the standards of whether they are judged have to be completely redefined and changed. Now, the Enforcement Directorate raided the Shiv Sena MLA Pratap Sarnek. He had moved a privileged motion by Rashtra against Republic TV. And in fact, one of Pratap Sarnek's, uh, you know, secretaries of colleagues or junior colleagues or someone who works in his office has also been taken into custody by the ED. Now, A, I think this shows just how powerful Arnab is. People, including us, had underestimated his relevance and importance to the... You know, in the past, and I'll tell you this for for bureaucrats, no matter which party is in power, you mess with the bureaucrat, the bureaucrats will be united in messing back with you. And that was also true, I think, to an extent with journalists. Like, you know, if a journalist could make consequences happen against another politician, it was kind of unheard of. Because at one level, the politicians would be one, bureaucrats would be one. This is a huge change. I mean, A, it shows that for Arnab's sake, a politician is willing mm. to go against a politician. I really worry about what kind of implications this is going to have. And I really think it is, and, and it is not, we can keep making fun of Donald Trump, that that Quaid guy, what's, what Quaid is he? Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. That Randy Quaid is Donald Trump's go-to guy. I think it is a, it is a joke that someone like Arnab has become the primary mover who can make stuff happen in the government. And I this swear. is so worrying. It is so worrying. I mean, a man Extremely who has sat and said, I don't care about the rule of law. I don't give a shit about the rule of law. Let this happen. This one should be in jail. He's called Omar Khalid, a terrorist. This man has the kind of levers that he can pull in this government. 
you know we can say all we want about upa and yaa vote this kind of vileness is a new low absolutely and i don't have any sympathy for shiv sena but if arnab causes the center to move against shiv sena like, rather than any good sense then we can say goodbye to any semblance of journalism being treated for what it should be so that that ship has sailed it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out uh, raman sir your view on that of course i mean i mean ed enforcement directorate and and institutions like ed and the cbi just move against a person because he he raised his voice against a journalist i mean absolutely unheard of it has never ever happened in the past so this is a uh, the new level i mean that we have reached and i mean i absolutely agree with you manisha anand jashi want to weigh in on this before we move on to the letters yeah i think uh, we'd made fun of arnab no when uh, he came out of jail and there were those visuals of him standing in through the sunroof of that car shouting vande matram and all and it's very easy to joke about it but as ronsa said it's it's actually it's terrifying like we completely underestimate who he is and the political backing that he has so mm. who what are the rest of us to do when arnab goswami has become this person <laughs> wow the despondent last word anand <laughs> you have any views on this before i move no, on no nothing i just wanted to add one thing on the love jihad thing i had said i don't know if karina kapoor has converted or not she hasn't i thought i should check and clear it right because we shouldn't add to the love jihad boogie but did sharmila so tagore she, ne- she had to convert uh, i don't know about that but uh, this piece in times of india says that amrita had who was seek converted to islam just before her marriage to actor saif ali khan but karina kapoor did not I think Sharmila did convert. Maybe, maybe it, uh, would it help with the property and all that? Like in the ha, that's what these yeah. royal families Dharm- like you need to have. Dharmendra and Hema Malini did. <laughs> yeah, that was Dharmendra. <laughs> and it was in context of that that Dharmendra has said that this country should become a dictatorship because when he filed his nomination, na, वो जो affidavit देना होता है, people said that have you declared or that <laughs> and that then he just completely he says was. I mean, you don't mess with Dharmendra on his love life. Then you're so he had said that this country should become a dictatorship. Such people have no shame; they will be taught shame in five years. <laughs> Because he was being trolled to give his Muslim name or whatever. Yeah, something about it. Affidavit. Kitta, I'm going to run for Jamga. Because the Basanti, Masiji. But okay, uh, now here are the mails. This one is from Byangtesh Narayan. Byangtesh says, "I'm a subscriber. Allow me to give some feedback about the 21st November hafta. I appreciate your idea of not making hafta an echo chamber and provide a platform to all shades of views. Having said that, the choice of Smita Prakash as guest left me uncomfortable and disappointed. If I have to jello Smita Prakash, I will watch Republic or Times now. Why would I plug into her hafta? Watch her commentary on Republic or Times now. She contributes in the communal vicious cringe fest with equal aplomb." she has a major contribution in dragging indian media to the current state this dangerously communal malleable crony media owner comes on hafta and pontificates about indian media and is dishonest and hypocritical to say the least she blocks people on twitter at the slightest disagreement and hearing her preach uh, was amusing if i may ask you did smita prakash get paid for her appearance on hafta if yes it would be a double whammy for me i look forward to you mehraj manisha raman sir and anand discussing peeling off the layers of current affairs topics with differing views on hafta it works even without an external guest if you don't get a right person that's fine but don't fill the guest slot with people like smita prakash 
Uh, so no, she wasn't paid. It was, um, you know, we may send her a gift, which is like a bottle and a soap set or something, but no, she was not paid. Uh, but, you know, I, my view is that we should, at least I would like to invite people with differing views on the hafta. The only thing I will not do anymore is invite people who have made outright bigoted statements, like, like an Abhijit Majumdar. I would, I mean, I've called him in before. I mean, people like him in any case are cowards. We had called him for media rumble. He didn't come. Uh, but someone hasn't indulged in outright bigotry. I would like to invite them on this platform, even if I may disagree with some of their stuff. Um, yeah, that's my view. If anyone has anything else to say to me, Avtosh, can I move on to the next? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. You can challenge their views here, but yeah, I think we should, we should not shun because anyway, people. I mean, we should not close, you know. But I, I will say one thing that, you know, I get, you know, our wonderful subscribers' frustration because I wanted to disagree with a few things with Smita, as Bhyantesh said, but when she came, she had a very different commentary on stuff that she has had a very different commentary on when I've seen her on other. So then you're like, you're caught flat-footed. You know? <laughs> she, it's like a politician who you will say something else or another platform will say something else. So you say, okay, fine. Now, what, what do you say, you know? Yeah, I mean, forget news laundry and Republic, but you can see the difference between Republic and NDTV itself. The same, you know, what she would say on a Republic versus what she would say on an yeah. NDTV. It's very different. Yeah. Okay, so this email is from Guru Nandan. Guru Nandan is over 300 words, so I won't read the whole thing. Guru Nandan's best wishes for all the COVID positive members of the wonderful team that has enabled a lonely expat to stay in touch with the country of my birth and growth. Well, Guru Nandan, thank you so much for being a part of making News Laundry what it is. You are as much a part of our being able to do what we do. Second, many thanks for inviting Chitra to your panel. I still find Madhu's old interview with Chitra on News Laundry one of the best conversations about what an inner life of a journalist is and even possibly should be. Last, I have a great interest followed the politics of modern Western countries, not because it holds lessons for South Asia, but because understanding how ordinary people go about making citizens' choices about their future is a lifelong passion. I was therefore a bit disappointed to hear that the discussion about the volume of Trump's base essentially echoed the opinions of the Western liberal press, which is New York Times, Washington Post, Guardian, etc. The dialects of opposing narratives that run through citizens' thinking are significantly different from those seen from the lens of these publications. May I therefore take the opportunity to recommend two books to you and to your audience that go significantly deeper than equating the Donald as an Arnab times 100 or a Modi times 10 to understand the numbers. The first two are Thomas Frank, What is the Matter with Kansas? A study of why people will vote for an entity that they know will work against them. And the second, Listen Liberal. The name says it all. May I also recommend Useful Idiots, a Rolling Stone podcast by Matt Taibbi and Katie Halper in better understanding US politics. If you can't find copies of the book in India, let me know. I would be honored to send you mine. Thank you for the wonderful work and more strength to your team's members, elbows, as you nudge your audience with facts so they fight the right thing. And Guru Nandan says, I find Trump disgusting. Just saying in case you mistake my liberal perspective for its simplistic opposite. No, actually, uh, that's not what it comes across as Guru Nandan, but I'm definitely going to pick up these books you've mentioned because I'm curious to see. There was one podcast on this a cognitive dissonance also that I'd heard a long time ago, How why people will vote for those that are clearly working against their interests. So yeah, I'm definitely pick up these books. Thank you so much for that recommendation, Guru Nandan. I repeat, the two books that Guru Nandan has suggested are Thomas Frank's What is Matter with Kansas? And the second is Listen Liberal. Uh, and he's also recommended a podcast called Useful Idiots. Uh, then this email is from Deepashri Mahajan. 
Vipashri says, belated happy Diwali. I have been listening to the Hafta for over a year. I have been a subscriber since June. Uh, I love the Hafta. Can't believe this is the first that I've written. I want to keep this letter short. Abhinandan's comments on Indian Me Too movement. I would like to strongly disagree with your views that the movement did not achieve jack shit. Uh, that's in inverted commas, which is probably the word I used. Have you completely forgotten about the Priya Ramani and MJ Akbar case? It is still subjudice, but taking a former minister of state to court over his misdeeds with women was no small feat. And in other cases, women who have been failed by the state and due process so many times finally found a platform to speak about their trauma and their experiences. You as a man may not understand it, but we at the very least found a sisterhood where we could look for support, understanding and resources to fight against these predators who would have continued living without any fear and regret. It started a dialogue on consent and respect, and I don't think you can say it achieved nothing. Even if it made our lives safer, thus better by a fraction, I would say it has achieved a lot. Your new website doesn't load on Chrome. I have been looking forward to the launch. You know, Deepashi, I don't know why it's not loading on Chrome. I'm using it on Chrome. Can you also just mail me on abhinandansekri at gmail.com? I repeat, abhinandansekri at gmail. What is, are you on a mobile? Because if you're on a mobile phone, there's some combinations of geographies, the instrument you're on and, and Chrome. But by and large on Chrome, it's working. Chrome, Firefox, Safari, we've checked it on various platforms, but do write in if you still have a problem. And uh, thank you for everything you do. I would like to especially thank your ground reporters who've done a fantastic job of reporting the Hathras case and Bihar election. That would be three reporters, actually. Uh, Hathras was reported by both uh, Akanksha and, Akanksha and, Akanksha and Nidhi. Akanksha and Nidhi and Bihar was uh, by Young Basant. Also, after living in Mumbai all my life and witnessing floods year after year, the issue of flood resilience and disaster management is something I keenly follow. So thank you, Deepashri. I, uh, I guess I kind of overspoke on that it's achieved jack shit. I agree with you. It may not be a quantifiable or measurable improvement, but it has opened up a conversation around consent. My frustration and dissatisfaction was that it has had no impact like it has in other countries where people actually lost their jobs and livelihoods. Here, that didn't happen. Like, and, and that is a disappointment. I think Jayesh, you'd, you'd probably agree with Deepashri. Yeah, yeah, I was on that conversation. And yeah, I absolutely agree. I think I'd mentioned also that at the least, it gave women a platform to come and speak out. And you clearly can't put a value on a kind of platform like that. Right. Manisha, you have anything to add to that? Anand, Raman, sir? I think it can be quantified also to some extent. Because uh, in America, many people, uh, they, they, I think one of them was imprisoned also. Yeah, no, that so, is actually the, sorry, you, were, huh. uh, you had COVID at the time. Hmm. I had said that in America, there were real life consequences because journalists pursued those stories journalistically. They did not just pick up something from social media and carry it as a report. Mm -hmm. And what I said was that because there was no real journalism around it, but just a social media, you know, a paraphrasing of what appeared on social media, it had no real life consequences here because journalists failed the movement. And I, think, uh, I, I guess I, I said that it, it achieved jack shit here, but it clearly achieved something. Sure. No, in Rimani case also, I think it was journalistically followed. Like and that one case was, 17, no doubt. And 17 to 18 now. women, are, they, they came they came up, you know, with their version against MJ Akbar. So I think I think it was, it, it definitely gave a platform. It did make an impact. Okay, this email is from Jefferson Simon. Uh, subscriber here, if possible, please try to interview Diya Khan. She is a documentary filmmaker and an expert with respect to issues which Muslims face in Europe. She's the best person to give a clear picture about what happened in France and why it happened and what needs to be done about it. Overall, she's good at wide variety of topics and you've linked her website. That's actually very useful since we've had so many conversations around that. Maybe um, uh, maybe Mehraj would be a good person to interview her. 
excellent idea i'm in fact making a note of this as we talk mehraj interviews dia khan all right thank you that is very useful and this last email is from anshu anshu says i'm writing to respond to views expressed by guests last week first of all i disagree that chinese and russian vaccines have as much credibility as pfizer or moderna both of them are much more transparent with data than the russian one also russia and china evil empire and russia gate was a real mehnat read the muller report many went to jail for it secondly on the point of polarized media smita might have missed that most of msm is doing propaganda for the right wing including her agency although softly right wing has drifted so far that every reasonable thing seems left wing thirdly mehraj's rant on free trade was much more ideological than data driven of course there are many critics in the present free trade system but it simply is untrue that because of trade us jobs have been vanishing what have caused losses is automation so even if factories return jobs won't john oliver had a great segment on it and you've provided a link we need to move beyond old socialist capitalist mindsets and recognize that problems created by automation won't be solved by building walls real or metaphorical candidates like andrew yang addressed this issue in detail i recommend this podcast with joe rogan to understand the issue thanks for what you're doing love your work so thank you for this many recommendations anshu these emails will be available on the website so you can actually go to the links and you can click on the recommendations that all our wonderful subscribers give because some of the recommendations are really really useful and on that note i would like to close and if uh, anybody has anything to add i had one question for anand which i'd like to discuss maybe next time if we have some more stuff on that anand this sting operation not sting operation of video a phone recording of lalu in jail trying to buy out bjp mlas by promising ministerial births now it has not you know become such a big it was in today's paper to the small column is it a headline over there is he i mean is it a pipe dream of a desperate man in prison or can he actually break the bjp and clearly he still has enough clout that he's being treated in jail like a vip with mobile phone availability no he he is he is one of the coalition partners in jharkhand government and the prison is in ranchi that is state capital of oh right sorry my bad he is not in bihar it yes it is a major headline here but uh, i think uh, chances of him breaking bjp is are not high but there are some there is some desperation uh, to buy out uh, see aiim mlas and uh, J- some sections of jdu but they are not real challenges if he would have succeeded in getting his uh, candidate to win the assembly speaker seat that that would have been a major victory but uh, that didn't materialize and uh, there has not been a very authentic denial of the audio tape there ha- have been in the official perfunctory lines that no no this may be fake but uh, there has not been a very forceful denial of the audio tape which lends some sort of credibility to it raman uh, sir uh, manisha jayshree if like i remember there was a sting operation of you know sachin pilots group being in touch with someone in the bjp and some audio was released which apparently didn't even match with that guy's voice now if there was an audio tape of let's say namitsha trying to convince people to join him it would have been a headline it would have been the front page i was curious i mean when i saw this morning's papers this was a very small article you think it is because lalu is a non entity or is it because there is still that media while television channels may have done prime time debates on this at least in print 
something that there is still a slight affection for Lalu and that Raj that it did not become the main headline. Would it be having a headline if a cutter was talking to someone on the phone or Amit Shah was talking to someone on the phone? I think it's the uh, two, three things, a uh, combination of two, three things. One is that uh, the issue is such this buying politicians and all. I mean, people, Fuck it happens Lord. so often that you have become very insensitive towards, you know, news like this, like corruption. So, 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 uh, so this is one. And second is, I think it was again one person's word against another. It wasn't uh, quantified. The story wasn't very there were no uh, other quantified. Sources you could do anything with how many? Uh, how many? You know, MPs. How many MLAs? Whom have you approached? And uh, thirdly, I mean, this tape thingy is always daily dialing. I mean, even uh, you had such a credible tape of uh, Amit Shah on uh, that girl. Yeah, uh, you know, so in great. Gujarat. Yeah. Even that didn't. <laughs> That didn't work. Uh, that didn't play any. I mean, that didn't make any headlines. Mm. So this was nothing. I think. I think these were two, three things. Also, the election is over, no? So that sort of. Um, if this had come out, say, a couple of weeks ago, then yeah, total front page. You mean when there was a balance like Rajasthan? Will the Sarkar remain or not remain? As long yeah. as there's unpredictability, it was a headline. Now the ship has sailed, no? So there's really no point. Yeah, RJD lost. So. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's one. Of the- I would ascribe what, it what to you. Also, see, uh, he, uh, the tape is not about uh, uh, him uh, buying out a group of MLAs. He had approached us one MLA, Mr. Parshwan from BJP. And uh, coincidentally, he was at the house of uh, the former Deputy Chief Minister, um, Susil Modi, at that time when the call came. That is his version of the story. So. It is not as if a group of MLAs are saying that they were approached. Only one MLA is saying. And uh, also, it was pointed out, it didn't lead to some consequences of some MLAs breaking out. So it was a non-starter, if at all it was a conspiracy. Right. On that note, uh, we will give you recommendations for the week. Uh, Can I start with Jayashree? What do you think can enrich the lives of our listeners? Oh, yes. I am ready to enrich. So I have two recommendations. My first is a 2014 story. It appeared, uh, it was published by Grist Media on Yahoo. Okay, so it's called Remember This Much, The Sea Will Eat You. And it's written by environmentalist Nityanand Jairaman. So he writes about the rapid changes to the coastline in the last 10 years, especially after the tsunami. And he wrote how he used to think this disaster would teach us a lesson. But he thinks that we are now a society with no respect for history and we're fated to repeat our mistakes. So it's a great piece, especially in the context of cyclones happening today. My second recommendation is also related to the floods and the cyclones. It's called Rivers Remember by Kripa G. It emphasizes what I said before, how these natural disasters are not really natural, they're man-made. She talks about urban expansion in Chennai, a disregard for Chennai's water bodies, which led Chennai's floods to take place. So yeah, two recommendations. Thank you. Um, Anand, you want to go next? Two recommendations, uh, one article and a book. Uh, That article is my own only. I wanted to recommend it because I think that some of the commentary and uh, during the run-up to the uh, Bihar polls and the post polls uh, was quite historically dangerous and that was denying the horrors of Lalu Raj. So I think uh, it was something that uh, 
was against my lived experiences and lived experiences of millions. And just to put a particular line of ideology or propaganda, some journalists and even academics, journalists like Arfa Khanum or academics like Rakesh Chandra or Ashim Ali, and, uh, and there is one more I read. So the first, uh, See, the lawlessness and anarchy of the time was such that uh, I think uh, a novelist, Siddharth Chaudhary, best captured it, that uh, Patna in the period was uh, like a, an open city, like Sarajevo was in 1992 and Baghdad was, is right now. So it was not limited to urban centers like Patna, but it was spread across the state in the vast rural expanses. Now to deny that just because you have to make a politician a mascot of your kind of politics is, uh, I think, utterly dishonest. And second, the, even the cause, even the cause that you were advocating, the social justice was not served. It was subverted. In fact, he served only a very tiny section of OBCs and the regime that followed this is also an Obishi politician. It is not as if uh, it was an upper caste conspiracy and it has been replaced by an upper caste leader. This is also an Obishi leader. He has extremely backward classes, uh, community support, and uh, also support of Madhadalit, the constituencies he created. That, now, I'm not going into the, those details, but and even the, the dodgy aesthetics of the period, uh, the registration of cases, uh, was uh, so dubious and now dodgy uh, uh, statistics being paraded is also dishonest. My second recommendation is a book by Ramchand Guha, which he has recently come out with his Commonwealth of Cricket. It is his kind of cricketing memoir. I finished it recently. And it, it's a fascinating read from a cricketing memoir type. Since he is also a cricket historian. He has gone through the lens, his memory lens of writing cricket, observing cricket, and uh, some of uh, the social and political commentary he has also tried to push in. Uh, I disagree with some of it, but as a complete package, it's a very good read. You should review it. Yeah, why don't you review it and speak to Guha, yeah? I'll organize the interview, huh? Will you do that, Anand? Oh, okay, okay. Okay, great. That's a good idea. We'll try to do that. Also, also, uh, just to uh, lower my credentials for the interview, in the conversation, I mispronounced uh, docile as docile. So, sorry for that, too. That's okay. I mispronounce stuff all the time, especially in Awful and Awesome. And Rajshri keeps correcting me. But I still mispronounce because I'm Punjabi. And pronunciation, <laughs> Deeta, Asik, Kuch Bhi Kar Dindya. <laughs> but um, Manisha, your recommendations for the week? So, one of my pieces from 2015, Ye Shadi How a Paranoid Right-Wing is Playing Spoil Sports for Young Couples in Love. It's a sting operation by Cobra Post, but the interesting thing about the sting op was that when the when Cobra Post called up people they had stung, they all agreed to everything they'd said. So my criticism to this back then was you didn't need a sting because everyone was pretty happy to talk about you know what they were doing. But it's it's in this whole love jihad thing, it's a good thing to watch and read because it tells you how this you know people in power have used state machinery to go after you know young couples. Uh, an essay in the Atlantic, right-wing social media finalizes its divorce from reality. Uh, the strap says Fox News acknowledges Trump's loss. Facebook and Twitter crack down on election lies. But true believers can get their misinformation elsewhere. It's quite a fascinating piece. Raman, sir. In DNA, 
वी हैड डन एन एक्सेलेंट सीरीज ऑन चेन्नई फ्लड्स साई मनीष वॉज द रिपोर्टर एंड आई हैड सेंट हिम फ्रॉम डेली आई थिंक दीज रिपोर्ट्स विल रियली बी रेलिवेंट सो आई ट्राई टू रिट्रीव दैम बिकॉज नॉट डी एन एज क्लोज डाउन सो आई जस्ट आस्क साई आई थिंक स्टोरीज विल बी अवेलेबल ऑनलाइन सो आई ट्राई टू अरेंज दो स्टोरीज एंड द सेकेंड इज आवर ऑन स्टोरी बाई बाई निधि एंड आकांक्षा दिस इज अबाउट पापी देवी यू नो हु वॉज ब्लड टू डेथ शी शी गेव बर्थ टू अ गर्ल बेबी एंड शी वॉज दैट गर्ल बेबी यू नो डिसअपियर्ड मिस्टीरियसली एंड लेटर आई थिंक शी वॉज फाउंड डेट बर इट समे एंड इवन दिस वुमेन हु नीडिड यू नो मेडिकल अटेंशन एंड अर्जेंट मेडिकल अटेंशन बट हर हजबेंड ब्रॉटर बैक होम एंड शी वॉज शी ब्लड टू डेथ इट्स अ वेरी गुड स्टोरी initially there were no uh, no criminality involved but gradually when the father he pursued the case so now there are two fir's though there are no arrest made but it's it's a very telling story right so um, my recommendations are two this week actually three one is a really interesting podcast that is on my favorite podcast platform that is npr it is called all your genes are belong to us it is about um, you know patenting someone's gene and how companies that did that in order to find a cure to cancer the the ethics around it the law around it and because when i heard this it reminded me of a story i had worked on as a researcher in the 90s when i had just joined news track uh, a story of dunkel draft anand is this this dunkel draft must be taught in upsc right yeah it was uh, about that wall trade agreement yes correct so at that time i had while i was working on the research for a senior reporter i was told to research and i came across the case of john moore spleen and this is a very famous case in america where a man called john moore had leukemia or some cancer and he was getting operated and his spleen had to be removed and his spleen had some cell growth which was very abnormal so the doctor used that cell and they realized this cell growth has some properties that can help fight cancer so they patented his spleen and made money of it and he filed a case that i should have a part of those profits it's my spleen they are my cells and he lost that patent case so there's a new york times piece on it these are all archive pieces but i highly recommend you listen to this podcast and then you can read any of the new york times or wapo pieces on the john moore spleen case and it was written about extensively and it uh, kind of gives you an idea of the bizarreness of of law ethics i mean it's it's not as black and white but it's just an interesting uh, thing to listen to but have you guys heard of the john moore spleen case anyone no yeah you should it's it's fascinating and the third thing i would uh, recommend everybody do is uh, just google on youtube maradona and see the magic of the man and i'm a huge football enthusiast in fact even in my old age i still play regularly it's what i missed most during my covid lockdown and one of the reasons he is considered the greatest of all time like people say that you know one of the greatest is messi and you know some people say pele some people even say garincha or ronaldo but why maradona because he won the world cup with a fairly mediocre team he didn't have the kind of team that a zidane had or that a lothar mathias had like he had klinsman and rudy bowler you know yeah. maradona did not have that kind of team single handedly he carried them to the world cup and he played at a time when you could get beaten up a lot more 
today showing the start is an immediate red card a tackle from the back is an immediate yellow card at that time a man like maradona was pounded and beaten in fact if you see the world cup match in 1990 86 he won right i think the 86. first match was cameroon versus argentina each time maradona got the ball he was brought down and those are big cameroonian players so i mean just see the conditions he played in the what the ball used to be like what the turf used to be like what the rules of football were like and you'll truly appreciate how wonderfully great this man was and it's a huge loss to every football enthusiast on that note thank you panel uh, be safe take care of yourselves make sure you overload yourself with vitamin c and zinc capsules it helps you fight covid like nothing else and uh, thank you for joining us and please support news laundry page to keep news free recommend us to your friends to your family convince them to subscribe so that the tribe that keeps news laundry life can keep growing thank you jayashree anand manish and raman sir thank you thank you thank you and i leave you with this wonderful song dedicated to the great man himself laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.